Hey, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall. Where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. And today, I am honored to welcome our first guest ever on Breaking the Fourth Wall. It is my honor and privilege to introduce the incomparable Gwendolyn Walker. And Gwendolyn Walker, just a little bit about her. She is an assistant professor of voice and Alexander Technique in Penn State University's BFA Musical Theater Program. She is also a graduate of Contemporary Alexander School and is a certified Alexander Technique teacher. Her unique approach to training young artists from a semantic perspective, as well as from a contemporary commercial vocal perspective, has made her a sought-after guest artist and private teacher around the world. Prior to coming to Penn State, she was the coordinator of the voice department at the Conservatory of Performing Arts at Point Park University in Pittsburgh. Gwen's areas of research all relate back to reduced mental and physical anxiety for today's artists. A passionate anti-racist and activist, her most recent articles and presentations have been about tools for educators to address the current mental health crisis on college campuses, training transgender and gender non-binary humans, and how to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in the voice studio and in the greater theatrical community or industry. Gwen is an equity actress and has performed in national tours, major regional houses, and off-Broadway. She maintains an active voice and Alexander Technique studio in New York City, and her students have been seen in most shows on Broadway today. Welcome, Gwendolyn Walker. Thank you so much. It is such an honor and thrill to be here with the two of you. We are honored to have you. And and Thanks. just from one friend to another, uh, I'm so excited to have this conversation oh, with me you Me too. Me too. So let's jump in. Ash, you want to uh, give Gwendolyn the first question? I would absolutely love to. So the first thing we wanted to talk about <laughs> is what are your thoughts about the current state of musical theater and its direction? Well, I would I I I have many thoughts and many feelings, but I I would say that my my overarching feeling is that I'm really excited about it. The um confluence of events that have occurred between the stop of theater as we know it and the pandemic emphasizing the inequities in our culture to social justice uprising to the new prominence of transgender and gender nonconforming folks. I think all of those things happening at once are a wonderful opportunity for musical theater, for the musical theater industry to grow and change in a positive way and to become more inclusive and equitable for everyone. Uh, I'm excited about the possibility of a theatrical world that's created by our global majority community, and that's inclusive of people from all along the gender spectrum. And so much of musical theater in the past has been gendered and misogynistic and racist, and for so long our art form has been taught through a Eurocentric white male perspective. I'm really excited for different content, you know, and to see art that's made by a diverse team from the producers to the casting folks to the creative team and something else that I think is going to happen based on my work in the theatrical intimacy education world. I'm pretty sure that actors are going to come out of this pandemic advocating for themselves in a way that we haven't seen before. And I'm hopeful that we're going to take a look at actor safety and begin to make changes so that corporate theater actors are not trashing their bodies and their voices to be part of a show. 
I my in my the, in my uh, studio in New York City, I just basically glue people together. I just duct tape them back up so they can go back out there and hurt themselves some more, you know. And so I'm wondering if now we've had time to pause and consider and with all the things that have been happening in the world, maybe um, theaters will double cast large parts and ensembles. And I don't know, but I think the time has come to start to look at that and talk about it and make theater more humane. I certainly feel guilty a lot of the time, knowing what I'm preparing my students to go do, right? And they want that Broadway contract more than anything in the world, and then they get it, and I'm just duct taping them together so they can get back out there and do it every day and not get hurt. Um, and I'd also, I, I also think that this is, people are talking about things that in my 40 years in the musical theater in industry, I've never heard people talk about before. And it's so exciting. And, you know, uh, talking about casting things differently with an open lens, you know, and I, I hear casting directors say that they're going to get away from uh, type and get away from um, the breakdown, maybe saying something like, you know, female 25 to 35, blah, 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 blah to like feisty human, somewhat argumentative with a with a big heart you know and just just getting casting to go towards the place where we just look at people at at people as people and not looking at people as male identifying or female identifying theater people have always been the vanguards and we comment on what's happening in the world and we reflect it back to the public with our art and i think right now we have this amazing opportunity to shine a light on diversity, equity, and inclusion and, and show the world what that looks like, create a world that looks like that on stage so that people can, can experience that and feel safer with that and more comfortable with that. And so anyway, I, I'm not saying that, that all the change isn't daunting and that uh, people like you and me people who care shouldn't be out there pushing the boundaries as much as we can. But I am saying that I see tons of positive change on the horizon and I'm very, very hopeful. Your excitement is so, um, it's like, it, it fills my soul with so much joy. <laughs> Thank you, Ash. Because Oh, you're welcome. Because, you know, we, when we have these conversations, a lot of times, with many different types of folks from all over the world, it feels kind of like this daunting weight and and almost anger and frustration from all the pain Gosh, that we've yeah. had. And yeah. you know, the way that you put it, it it we're not saying that everything's going to be okay. No. But the way that you're framing this is, I think, is such a great way to also look at what's happening. So thank you for your excitement. Well, <laughs> I think it's so easy, you know, Gwendolyn, to, to get caught up in the negativity of everything that we've been caught oh, up gosh, in, yeah. you know, and, and, but at the same time, we have to remind ourselves for our own self-care and our own mental health, why we're in this fight and also what good has come from the fight. Right. And, and, and it's totally yeah. different world than the one I came up in. You know, it's totally different world in only the best of ways. And so that's wonderful. And not, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying that we do not need to create a hmm a container for the trauma that we've all been through. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just, I, I think that's a huge cornerstone of what our pedagogy needs to be going forward is to just say, Hey, look, we are all of us traumatized. 
Let's talk about it. Let's work through it. Let's create boundaries and safety around the trauma that we've all experienced, which is why I'm pursuing my certification in theatrical intimacy education, because I, I feel like they have such a great way of talking about that and of saying, my trauma is not your business and your trauma is not my business, but your boundaries are my business. And what makes you feel safe and comfortable to be vulnerable is my business. And so finding new ways to talk about that and build a brave space for everybody who's in whatever, wherever we are in the studio or classroom or on a, on a set. So like to create that for everybody, the theatrical intimacy education that I'm involved with, TIE um, has a saying and it's better is better. And so I'm not saying that we're going to be great and perfect and, or anything like that, but I'm saying, you know, every step that we take in a positive direction that is more inclusive and equitable is, is a step that I'm excited to take. Absolutely. Which leads me into my next question. You, you let us right there. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, um, perfect segue. Yes. Uh, where, do your, Wonderful. where do your passions lie in regards to advocating for this positive change? I know you've talked about a few of them, but is there anything that really you're advocating for right now and, or that you even have been in the past? Oh, gosh. Well, my immediate answer to where do my, my passions lie in regarding to positive change in theater, all over the place. Uh, that's my immediate answer. My, my work in, in advocacy began in advocating for trans and non-binary humans. Um, I just happened into trans and, and be folk teaching and I um, didn't know anything. And what, this was about 12 years ago and I was just researching and trying to find stuff and there wasn't a lot of literature back then. Um, and so I began presenting and publishing about training transgender folks to try to add to the scholarship so other people would have places to go. Um, but I would say that all of my focus is to prevent harm to our students. Everything that I do all leads back to there. Um, and it begins with blowing up the gender bias in our casting and our assignments in the classroom and, um, and, uh, and starting to look at how can we make amends for the racial harm that we have done to our people in the industry, um, how can we begin to create equity um, so that people aren't being hurt? Um, we should be assigning material based on people's essence and not based on their gender or their race and, and what excites them about doing the work and not, and not, uh, and we can do that and still achieve our pedagogical goals. But I, I am, I really feel like um, if educators take the reins here, if we change the way we do this in the academy, then they're going to have to change the way they do it in the industry. It has to happen. Um, and I think, I think that holding organizations and com theater companies accountable is a big thing that people within the academy need to be doing. We need to, to call out racism and gender bias when we see it. And we need to make hold, hold their feet to the fire and, and bring them along. If they're not coming, we need to bring them along with us. You know, um, I'm currently on the board of with, with uh, Tim and Ashley on the Educators for Equity in Theater Arts. Tim's president, Ashley, is our uh our publicity advertising person. Am I right about that? What's your title, Ash? I don't even know what my title is. 
<laughs> creative director, publicity officer, all things all social things, media, all things website, <laughs> all things making all things us online look pretty to the public. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. We're excited to talk about that organization yeah. when it's as it's kind of beginning Coming to through. be. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm excited to be on on the board for that, and I'm also on the on the board for MTEA, the Musical Theater Educators Alliance, and I'm uh, I'm the associate uh, head of their represent their representation, equity, and inclusion committee, and I'm also on the board there, and I'm also on two committees at at Penn State that are diversity things, and I just I'm just saying that because I I think I think it's super important for people who care to put their time where their mouth is. So like to make sure that I'm, I think I'm maxed out at four organizations that I'm working for. And, but I, I, it feels, all of them feel important and different in different ways. And they all feed each other and give me ideas to bring back to the other people. And just uh, examining on, in all of those places, what we can do to be more conclusive and in our action and in our policies and fighting for change in action and policy and not looking for performative or responsive action from people, but holding people to, to the, the standard of, okay, you said you're sorry. Now, what are you going to do? What are your policies that are going to protect our students? What are they? Yeah. And I think, you know, the accountability is the first step, right? Holding these organizations accountable, these uh, ac- academic institutions accountable, these uh, indus- the industry accountable, and then the apology yeah. comes. And then what comes after the apology, which is the action, yeah. you know, and, and that's what I think yeah. I'm excited to start <laughs> seeing. In Nicole Brewer's anti-racist theater workshop, she she said, "I have to be honest with you. I do not care about your apology. Keep your apology. I don't. I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't care about it. I care about what you're doing to repair our relationship. I need you to work on repairing our relationship." And that really resonated with me. I think that's a great way to segue into this. Uh, this next question is what I know you've already mentioned this a few times. You know what needs to change in our industry. <laughs> But right, there's so there's not enough time. No. There's not enough time. Um, <laughs> but is that something that you think that we really need to actively do and take the actionable steps? I, I mean, what do I think needs to change? Everything um, from equitable working conditions to the way we cast shows to the way we tell stories to who we to the voices that we include in the room when we're creating the stories and telling the stories. Um, so all of it needs to change, but the exciting part is I really feel like we're on the precipice of making that happen. I, I, every single one of my students for the past four or five years have, have been like really passionate advocates for inclusion and, and change. And, and it's so exciting to see them on fire. I would say that 15 years ago when I was teaching, I didn't see that very much. The students didn't vote and they didn't care so much about politics and about changing the industry. But now my students are the ones who I I feel like, okay, little one, here's my torch. You keep running. Yeah, it's exciting. They're they're so passionate. It's it's really exciting to be in the room with them as well and have these conversations. They keep, they hold me accountable. You know, they keep me current and hold me accountable for what I say and do. So I'm really grateful to them for that. Yeah. I also tell them, I, you know, that... I'm really optimistic about this young generation of humans that are just coming up and are refusing to accept the status quo as it has been. Yes. 
and not and not at all um, not at all scared to speak out and advocate for themselves. And I have stories, but I can't. I probably can't tell them on a podcast. But of of uh, my my trans and NB students advocating for themselves in a music rehearsal and for a Broadway show, for example, where they just, you know, stood up in a room full of people and said, I am not a person who identifies as either that or that. Where, where would you like me to stand? You know? And so like willing to do that is so exciting that, that they, they know how to advocate. I would have just been like, I'll do whatever. I don't want to get fired. You know, it's so exciting to see their passion and their, voices. Yeah. That's how we all used to respond to questions in the room or when something happened, a situation came about in a rehearsal or, or a tech rehearsal or whatever it was at the table. Because that's how we were trained, Ashley. That's how we were trained. We were told you're replaceable. Don't make a fuss. Don't cause any problems. Oh my gosh. You're replaceable. That term. I remember that term being told to me so many times. in, In the TIE training, we talk about uh, like when you set bounding boundaries, then you help the director make a better show, right? When he knows yeah. where they are, you can create better art within that space than you can if you don't know where they are and people are getting triggered and hurt. And then they can't feel safe and do what we need to do as artists, be vulnerable and then really dig deep. They can't do that if they're scared. Well, that whole idea of the hierarchy within the actual rehearsal room or the production space where, you know, Mm -hmm. the director, the MD, or the choreographer is the final say. Uh, I always go back to something that Diane Paulus, the director, always says that it's a two-way conversation between the artist and the creative team. And the third idea is always the best idea. Uh, (laughs) You know, that uh, the one that is determined between the artist, the actor, and the actual creative team. And I always take that with me because I think that's what makes truly exciting theater. Well, it's collaborative art form, which is which is something that I'm doing in my studio now and trying to do, trying to bring into all my work is to just say, look, hey, I, it, we are so far away from that master teacher pupil thing um, anymore. And thank God, right? I'm not the one who knows the things. I'm here to collaborate with you on your education. You tell me what you need. I'll tell you what I know. And you tell me what you know. And we'll find a place where where we're both growing together. It's exciting, exciting time to be a teacher, I think. I think that's so fascinating too, because I've had that experience uh, in a couple of really, big, really large classes where I would apologize for something that I had said mm-hmm. because I used a word that, you know, in the moment I went back to that old training yeah. and, and they were literally like, like jaws on the ground. It is our professor apologizing. And then they... I would, you know, have an open discussion with them and about it. And I said, you know, thank you for bringing it to my attention. And they're just literally not, they're not used to that. They're not used to someone saying, I'm the teacher in this space, but let's collaborate and work together. And I'll, I can learn from you as well. Well, and I can be wrong. Exciting. I can be wrong. I think the most important thing for a teacher to model for their students is the, I don't know sentence. Uh, to just say as well as humility yeah 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 just to say i when somebody asks you something instead of making some crap up just say hey you know i don't know i don't know i don't know everything but i'm going to look into that and get back to you so that they understand that that's an okay thing for them to do right in a rehearsal like what do you mean when you're saying that line i don't know but but thanks for calling me on it now i know i have to get down in there and look at it you know, I think it's important that that we 
smash the patriarchy of, of the master teacher and pupil thing. Our students are not puppies. They are human beings. And even because I know we all work with adults. And so there are times that I've worked with people, like I've had students that are 70 something years old. Yes. And right? They're older than me. A lot of the people I'm even working with now are older than me. And the idea that, you know, the older person in the room has, you know, we all just need to work at the same level together for, you know, the better good of that, that situation or that, you know, that whatever the we're doing in the moment. So I I agree with you a thousand percent. Right. And understanding that there's always going to be someone steering the ship, but the voices that are on the ship are the ones that are actually guiding the journey. And as a collective, I'm going to ask the last question because I'm really excited about this because I know, Gwen, you have a ton of initiatives and a ton of things on the horizon for you that are coming up that are going to lead you not only just into the end of this semester for you at Penn State, but also into the summer. So I'd love to ask you, what kind of initiatives, what kind of um, uh, events or webinars or presentations do you have coming up? Oh, golly. Uh, So I've got some presentations coming up about training transgender singers um, and I love spreading the word for that. It's starting to get to the point where my phone just rings and somebody calls me and say, hey, you don't know me, uh, but I am. I just I got my first transgender student at my studio and I don't know what to do. And I'm just, I'm so happy to be that resource for people. I always have time for those people. And I, am, I continue to offer a first free voice lesson to any transgender person who ever reaches out to me. So I'm always busy with uh, training new people and um, trying to, offer that inclusion and safety for people who are living in a place where there aren't any people who know about the industry the way I have been privileged to learn about the industry. So I'm all that, that is ongoing. I'm always doing that. Um, and, um, then the summer I've been invited to serve on Juilliard's new musical theater summer camp for high school kids at, um, in the voice area. And I'm super excited, Away about the way our director Matt Cahill is thinking about creating curriculum from an inclusive inclusive lens um, from the very beginning. We are all every single person on the team cares about equity and inclusion deeply, and we are building the curriculum for high school kids around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we're going to have you know workshops and seminars and topics, but also we are working right now together to thread together the things that we're passionate about to teach the students about DEI work. And so that's in July. Um, and also this summer, um, manual therapist, Christine Schneider and voice pedagogues, Raymond Sage and Jared Trudeau and myself have created a new summer musical theater voice pedagogy workshop. It's called one body, one voice, where we're going to fo- focus on musical theater voice pedagogy through the lens of body mechanics you know, so that's where I'm going to use my um, Alexander Technique expertise to talk about increasing performance ability and healing trauma and releasing tension through Alexander Technique and performance. So those are the things I've got coming up right away. And uh, at- Just a couple small things. Nothing, you know, nothing, nothing too <laughs> grand. <laughs> well, I, I also am working on a chapter for a, a book on uh, online teaching pedagogy. I've been asked to write a, cha- a chapter on uh, teaching Alexander Technique Online. So that's also going on this So summer. do you have any free time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, I, I carve that out. I have a Google ca- Google calendar where I put like 
you know, I'm going for a walk with the dog right there. And, uh, I'm on Sundays. I try, sometimes I don't manage it, but on Sundays I try to cook. Uh, cooking is my love language and my safe space, the place that makes me happy. And I just go to the store and buy all the beautiful produce and just cook on Sundays for a couple, three hours. And that centers me and grounds me for the week. So I still make time for things like that. The, the, the walks and the exercise and the cooking still manage to make it into my schedule. Yeah. You're just an amazing human, Gwen. I'm honored to know you and be, you. share this space with you. Um, and profoundly grateful that you took the time to spend with us uh, the next last 25 minutes. Um, and for those of you that are listening, we've been in conversation with the incomparable Gwendolyn Walker, who... Um, is an assistant professor of voice and Alexander Technique at Penn State's BFA Musical Theater Program. I just want to say thank you for spending this time with us, and um, we look forward to seeing you on the Zoom somewhere in, in the world. <laughs> I look forward to all of our work together, you two. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>